2: Hey, I don't need good doctrine. I've got the Holy Spirit. And the problem with that is that they don't know doctrine and they don't know their scripture. They cannot discern God the Holy Spirit and a counterfeit spirit.
1: Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Layton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno and he spent much of the week last week talking about the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives and well, he's bouncing off of that this week as we continue to look at the doctrines of the church, those foundational understandings that shape our faith and our Christian life. He was in the book of Acts last week. He's continuing in the book of Acts uh, about halfway through the eighth chapter of the book. I hope you can follow along. We do call the broadcast Study Verse by Verse. Here's Pastor Layton.
2: There's another fascinating story later in that chapter 8 ...about Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. It says that an angel of the Lord told Philip, I want you to go for a walk. On this certain road, go for a walk. And so Philip's walking down the road in obedience. He doesn't know exactly what's going on, the implication is. And uh, then as he he looks up, the Spirit of God talks to him and says, I want you to go stand near that chariot over there. And so he in obedience goes over to the chariot. And in the chariot is this Ethiopian eunuch who is reading through uh, the book of Isaiah... And there's this conversation that takes place and Philip is able to show this Ethiopian eunuch that it's talking about Jesus Christ, leads them to a saving knowledge of, uh, of Jesus as Savior and Lord. They look up, they see some water, which is remarkable because they're in the wilderness, in the desert, and the Ethiopian says, is there any reason why I can't be baptized? And Philip says, no, let's do it. And they go over and uh, the baptism takes place and then Philip gets teleported miles away to Zotus. Remarkable story because you've got uh, Philip at first being told by an angel and he does that with obedience and then he's led by the Holy Spirit and then he's teleported 20, 30, 40, 50 miles, whatever it was, from where he was. You know, I've heard stories of people being teleported and uh, I take it with a grain of salt, a bit of skepticism, not because it can't happen, because God can do anything and there is a precedence here. If it's with skepticism, it's usually because I'm wondering about the source. But God can do anything. That Ethiopian eunuch took the gospel back to Ethiopia, and Ethiopia has been one of the strongholds of Christianity throughout the centuries. Remarkable story. And then in Acts chapter 9, Jesus confronts Saul on the road to Damascus. He loses his sight. He goes into Damascus. Jesus assigns Ananias, not the same one as chapter 5, another Ananias to go and meet with him, Ananias says, I've heard about this guy, I don't want anything to do with him. I prefer not to meet Saul. Verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of his name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and then he arose and was baptized. That's all became the Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 10, there's a story of Cornelius, this godly Gentile who was praying, and he saw in a vision uh, instructions, and so he, he sent to another city, asking if Peter would come and visit Peter. Came as requested. Peter stands up and he's preaching the gospel to Cornelius' household that's gathered together. And then in verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even, you might want to circle that word, even on the Gentiles. (laughs) Even on them. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God, glorifying God. And Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? You also might want to circle just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now for us to appreciate what's going on here, we have to understand that the early church was entirely Jewish. And the Jewish people had been conditioned through generations to think that God was only interested in Jewish people. And they come into this place, they preach the gospel, and the Gentiles... The same thing happens to them as happened to the first believers in Acts chapter 2. This, this created such controversy that the church leaders had to get together and discuss it in Acts chapter 15 and figure out how to accommodate these Gentiles who were coming to faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And one of the facts that helped those church leaders accept the fact that salvation was also for the Gentiles was this event that took place in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' house where the things that had happened in Acts chapter 2 to them were repeated among the Gentiles. Chapter 13. Now there were at the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mannium, longtime long-time friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and prayer, they laid hands on them and sent them off. The Holy Spirit said, said. You know, I went through a number of reputable rotation, uh, uh, translations and they all used the word said. So I got curious and went back to the original language of Greek and you know what it, it says? Said. <laughs> the Holy Spirit Said. He spoke. Uh, was it audible? You could hear it with your ears. Was it, was it uh, spiritual? You could hear it in your soul. Whatever it was, they heard the spirit speak. And he said, separate Barnabas and Saul for me. Later in that same chapter, verse eight, Elemus the magician—that's the meaning of his name—opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, there it is again, looked intently at him and said, "You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy! Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you'll be blind and unable to see the sun for a time." And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. He lost his vision. Now it was not the curse of Paul that brought blindness upon him, and that's made clear in verse 11 where it says it was the hand of the Lord. But Paul was so filled with the Holy Spirit that he was accurately able to ascertain the intentions of the Lord and declare them before they actually happened. Chapter 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus, and they found some disciples, and he said to them, "'Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?' And they said, "'No, we've not even heard that there is the Holy Spirit.'" And he said, "'Well, into what then were you baptized?' They said, "'Into John's baptism.'" And Paul said, "'John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was coming after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus.'" And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. They had not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. You know, some preachers don't mention the Holy Spirit and they avoid the subject for various reasons. In some cases, they don't know the Holy Spirit. And when you think about the implications of that, it's distressing. And in other cases, they're afraid. They like their little church. They like the way it's going. And if God got involved in their church, he could mess all of their plans up. And so they avoid talking about the Holy Spirit. They don't teach about the Holy Spirit. As a result, their congregations don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, they are missing out on the blessings of the fullness of God's provision and blessing in their life. Acts chapter 20. Verse 28, Paul is called together the elders of the church. He says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds, meaning pastors, of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. Notice, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. In a true Christian church, it is the Holy Spirit who appoints and anoints overseers or leaders. And they are called to shepherd God's flock. And a shepherd leads and feeds and protects the sheep. In the New Testament, the words pastor, elder, and overseer are all referring to the same group of people. It was only later in church history where each of those titles became associated with a layer of administration in the church as the church continued to spread across the empire and around the world. Now the Holy Spirit was present At the beginning of the church, Acts chapter 2. And the scriptures tell us that he is going to be present when the final chapter comes to pass. I'm talking about Revelation's final chapter because it says there, The Spirit and the Bride say come. And the Bride is a reference to the Bride of Christ, which is the church. The Holy Spirit and the church say come. You know, it's of utmost importance to not only know about, but to know God's Holy Spirit. Because it's only by God's Holy Spirit that we can be led and empowered to fulfill the ministry to which we have been called. And I want to point out two extremes that are both dangerous. One extreme is a person thinking, hey, I've got great doctrine, I know my scriptures. I don't need the Holy Spirit. Go ahead. Ask me any question. I can give you the answer. These people become arrogant and legalistic. They can win an argument, but they can't win anybody to Christ because they are not led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The other extreme is also dangerous. Hey, I don't need the good doctrine. I don't need the scriptures. I've got the Holy Spirit. I just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the problem with that is that they don't know doctrine and they don't know their scripture, they cannot discern between the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, and a counterfeit spirit. And I know way too many people that are being led around convinced they are following the leading of the Holy Spirit when in fact they are following a counterfeit spirit. We need good doctrine. We need to be in our scripture. And we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and empower us for the ministry that Jesus Christ has called us to. Amen.
1: Amen. And that wraps up our studies on the Holy Spirit in this larger sermon series dealing with the doctrines of the church. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And I'm Mike Trout. Tomorrow we begin a new message talking again about the doctrines of the church, but focusing in on heresies.
2: One of the earliest heresies that the church had to address was a notion that Jesus Christ wasn't really human, that he was a spirit, and he just looked like a human.
1: That's tomorrow on Study Verse by Verse, and you can find us on the web at studyversebyverse.com. And we'll be back tomorrow at this same time and open the Word of God to study verse by verse.